0: One, boom there we go ladies and gents we're ready to rock and roll on the on another episode of the business bros what if you t- what if you could take thirty thousand dollars and turn it into uh, i don't know five mil would that be interesting to you that's what we we're talking about today our guest did exactly that let's get this one on the road here we go shut up and sit down look a business can give you everything you want in life prestige wealth freedom All right, ladies and gents, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the secrets to turning a $30,000 investment into over $5 million in just under 10 years. Our guest has been an active investor since the age of 18 and has a proven track record of success using the principles of information arbitrage and his investing decisions. He'll be sharing his story of overcoming a life of abuse and tragedy, and also discussing his next steps, including growing his mastermind group and raising funds to buy a boutique hotel. So let's welcome to the show the information arbitrage expert himself and investing master, Mr. Joshua Hatter. <laughs> Now we can start the party, my friend. Welcome to the show.
1: I love it, man. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it. That's for the, easily the best intro I've ever had in my life. <laughs>
0: well, man, dude, if you ain't having fun while you're podcasting, then why the hell are you doing it?
1: That's true. I love it, man. I love it. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right, let's jump into this thing, man. The the five million dollar question. You started off with thirty grand. Uh, I guess the first question I would ask is, how did you get to that thirty grand in the first place? And then, how do you just multiply that going forward?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, a, just a little bit of old fashioned grinding. So, um, I actually, that was a $30,000 401k loan I wound up um, taking out, which I probably would, um, not recommend, you know, your mom, your mom and dad would not recommend you, uh, borrowing from the retirement account, but, uh, but yeah, that's just the saving pennies, the old fashioned way. Uh, I, I was, so uh, like you said, 10 years ago, I'm, I'm 41 now. So, um, early thirties when I took that and, uh, you know, just saving the pennies over the course of ten years is how I got to that.
0: All right, stacking the chips, working the grind—that's one thing, right? That's one way you can definitely put money into a tax-deferred account and watch it grow. You took a different risk, and this is where entrepreneurs uh, really take off, right? They they take on more financial risk than any other person. What'd you do with that thirty k, man? How did you turn it into five mil?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think like unless you really bet on yourself, it's it's hard to have those exponential returns. Right. And so, you know, that was it. Um, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I, I bet on myself. I bought a piece of property in an urban area where I live um, and I just I kind of rode that uh, the Fed zero interest rate policy over the course of the next 10 years. Um real estate was was cheap uh, in comparison. You you know, use the phrase information arbitrage um in comparison to what the cost of capital was, and uh, just kind of rode that wave for the better course of the last decade or so.
0: Yeah, that's uh that time has come to an end. That that uh Fed interest rates dropping really low was definitely a good time. Money was cheap. You either took advantage of that appraising market with inflation, and then on top of that, low interest rates, like you got you got. All the all the ingredients for a perfect cake, right there, right. So, what happens, man? What's what's the investment strategy that you decide to go with, um, and and just kind of ride that wave? Was it just multiple properties after that? How did it work out?
1: Yeah, I mean, a little bit of uh, of a few things. So, kind of house hacking to begin with. Um, I actually uh, listed my first uh, property on VRBO back in 2012, um, and it was against the HOA, so that got shut down almost immediately. Uh, within the first few months, and uh, kind of just pursued some other entrepreneurial things there for a little bit. Um, 2016 started again and listed something uh, February of 2016 on Airbnb for the first time, and um, got lucky both with the Fed's uh, easy money policy and also the proliferation of Airbnb. Uh, you know, you you see the hashtag Airbnb bust now, um, and and there are there's a lot more negative publicity around the supply. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different story now than it was 10 years ago. Uh, but yeah, that was really, uh, that was really it. I rented out a house or rented out a room in my house, I should say, um, in 2016 and just been playing Monopoly in real life ever
0: since then. Dude, it's sometimes it's the simple strategies that just work best, right? Um, You said that you, you, you put that property on BRBO and then the HOA came and shut you down. And there's always a lesson to be learned when you go into some of these properties. I remember uh, not the first, but the second investment property I bought, I bought this property in Vegas. And we went to this, like learn how to invest seminar training and it was awesome. And I learned all kinds of stuff. I was like, I don't know, 21, 22 years old at the time, learn all kinds of stuff. And then the last thing they do is they put you in these charter buses and they're like, who? Wants to buy this place, and I'm like, hell yeah, right? I end up buying this place, and I realized, oh crap, I can't cash flow this thing. Yeah. Fortunately, I learned a strategy um, where basically I had uh, somebody who wasn't able to qualify for a loan. It was it was a rent to own option. I put them in the property. I was able to cash flow, turned it around, turned a negative into a positive. When you went into this property, you had intentions of of getting higher rental than you intended to, and the HOA shut you down. What was that like and how did you overcome
1: that? Yeah. I mean, I I really didn't go into it with that. I think it was more out of necessity. So I I actually worked for a Fortune 500 company and um, was part of a huge layoff across the company. Uh, 700 people got laid off um, across this company. They were taking one large public company and splitting it into two. Uh, So I got laid off with 700 of my friends. And uh, for me, it was just like, okay, let's see if this will work um give it a shot i i had read a little bit about it back then again you know this is like 2011 2012 uh, when i when this first happened so you know it was kind of a, a chance at that point um and long before you know this is like the days of tinder right so this is like long before uh, a lot of the innovation that's taken place in the short-term rental space since then um and you know long before airbnb was a thing it was still airbed and breakfast
0: so what do you do now? Like now when you acquire a property, I mean, there's a lot of people who are looking into Airbnbs because the rents could be significantly higher. Of course, there's all the overhead that goes along with it. You got to turn over the property. You got to have make sure you have people who go in and clean the place, get it ready for the next person, but you could potentially make a lot more money on, a, on that kind of rental versus a traditional long-term lease. Uh, what are you doing with your properties today? it's
1: it's yeah so things have changed i still think the returns are better in short-term rentals Uh, but personally i actually kind of uh, fell into uh, an actual bed and breakfast um, back uh, october of last year so um, bought our first one um, april 7th i say hour i took on a business partner uh, with my last short-term rental deal we uh, we actually sold that and flipped it into our second bed and breakfast at the end of 2022 Um, But yeah, so he's actually a a home builder um, and he specializes in historic home reservation or renovations, I should say. Um, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. So old coastal town predates the U.S. Uh, We had the property we actually closed on in December was built in 1798. So it has 1798 problems, I like to say. Uh, But the things that scared me on the renovation side um, before partnering with uh, with this guy just don't don't anymore. So. Um, I've got a management company, he has a, uh, renovation company. And so it's kind of the perfect marriage as far as the banks are concerned. Uh, but that's really the direction that I'm headed from short-term rentals is toward bed and breakfast, um, again, because I feel like there's more information to arbitrage there. And so, you know, even though r- the cost of capital has doubled, you know, rates are effectively double what they were a year ago. Uh, I still feel like the opportunity that's in the actual bed and breakfast space on the way to boutique hotels is where we're headed. Uh, But I feel like the opportunity that's there in that asset class is the same thing that we saw 10 years ago in um, Airbnbs.
0: Yeah, people want to have that. Different experience, right? Everything's got to be Instagrammable, first of all. And I yeah. think a bed and breakfast really adds to the the ambience of, of I'm getting away with whatever it is. I'm on vacation, check out this whole experience. That's kind of the vibe that I feel that a lot of people are, are leaning towards. That's that's one of the attractive things about an Airbnb. It's this specific one with this particular view or with this, this back wall drop or whatever it is. It's that experience that people are going after. Now, you mentioned that there's more information arbitrage in that space what do you mean by information on charge what does that mean for you and your industry
1: sure yeah so I, to me it's it's taking a piece of information that's not that well known um, and trying to uh, make exponential the return you might otherwise get um, and so kind of mitigating your risk if you believe in your thesis um, and so my thesis 10 years ago was that there was money in short term rentals, right? And 10 years ago, when I got into the asset class, my old college buddies would literally laugh in my face, right? Like you're doing what you're renting a room out of your house, you know, having coffee with somebody walking downstairs, like, what does that look like? You know, and, and knowing what that feels like now, I didn't know it at the time, right at the time, like, oh, it hurts my feelings, right? And where's that really coming from? It's a projection of jealousy, I wish I could do the same thing. Uh, I don't understand it, right? So there's a few things um, that that are the cause of that. But at the time, you're just like, oh, this guy's you know hurting my feelings. I'm just trying to make this work. But having gone through that for a, a whole cycle and then now kind of being at this point where I feel like there's just as many people making money uh, selling the dream as there, there are actually executing it in the Airbnb mm-hmm. market. When I move now to um, kind of information arbitrage in the actual bed and breakfast space, Uh, I'm kind of seeing a similar thing. So, you know, most of these places, and I don't mean this derogatory, but they kind of look like grandma's house, right? So you walk in and you got the four poster bed and the doily curtains. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, they haven't been redesigned in 30 to 50 years, depending on the uh, ownership structure. And, um, you know, certainly in need of renovations, most of them are historic homes. And, To your point, people want an experience, right? So they want to be in that historic home, but they don't want to feel like they're in a dated home. You know, they want to have that experience while they're there um, and they want it to be in a good location. uh, But they also don't want to be staying in grandma's house, for lack of a better word.
0: Very true. Very true. One of my favorite movies of all time, Forrest Gump. That's what mama said, right? Mama had a bed and breakfast going on there. Uh, and you know, it, it's funny that, that you, that you said, you know, your friends would laugh at you. Cause one of the things I like to say is at first they laugh at you, then they ask you for advice. Right. When I first started the podcast, they were like, you're going to start a podcast. What are you going to call it? Uh, oh, whatever, whatever. Now a thousand plus episodes in and it's monetizing and it's a thing. They're like, Oh, how do you do that? You know, like, it's funny how that works. comes complete full circle. You don't let anybody deter you. You just realize that when they're laughing and complaining or saying what they, what you can't do, it's really just a projection of what they're saying. saying. so what are they telling you now now that you're in it you know you're you you fast forwarded past you know waking up in the morning and having somebody at the the kitchen table with you what are they saying today
1: yeah I mean so like when you look back at the the short-term rental stuff I mean I you know I would consider myself an expert in the asset class now at this point I've been evaluating those investments and been super successful over the last decade so um, yeah I mean now it's much more advice right like you know what do you think of this deal Um, I mean you know, I I had a property sell from a client on my property management um, side uh, through that company. And um, I had somebody contact me like, Hey, can can you check my spreadsheet out? And I, you know, looked at it and he's showing a 6.4% cash on cash return and inflation at the time was at 8%, right? So it's like one of those things like, you know, now people are reaching for that asset class, right? Like you don't even understand Mm -hmm. it well enough to know you're taking risks coming off of COVID and you're not even outpacing inflation with the rate of return that you're expecting, despite having good analysis, right? Still wanting to buy the property. So it's uh, it's interesting having watched things kind of come full circle. Um, and now I'm kind of seeing the same thing with the, the asset class that we're entering for sure.
0: So, what makes for a good bed and breakfast? What are some of the qualities that you're looking for in a in a in a building that you end up buying? Does it have to require a lot of renovation or are there certain things that you look for when you're entering some of these deals?
1: Yeah, I think you know so we we definitely look at the the p and l, the profit and loss uh, for the last three years, uh, just like the banks would. Um, you know we need to understand the potential value add opportunity between my uh, property management company, and then also, uh, my renovation partner. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to, uh, the, the more grandma, the place looks the better for me, right. Um, if I, if you walk in, you're like, Oh my God, like that, that's to me, that's the perfect reaction. I mean, that's, um, that, that means we have the perfect value add opportunity now that we've done this a couple of times. Um, so, you know, frankly, we're at the point where we're starting to evaluate half a, half a dozen different cities in the southeast uh, for the same types of uh, information arbitrage opportunity
0: all right, let me ask you this because, at uh, least in California, we have residential properties and we have commercial properties. Residential goes up to four units, commercial is above that. And when you start to look at different properties and evaluating them differently, uh, for example, a residential property, you're going to look at comparables when you're going to sell versus a commercial property, you're looking at the PL and and what this thing is actually going to bring because that actually determines the value of a commercial property. When you're looking at these bed and breakfasts, are they classified as residential? And you're operating as a commercial. How do you? Is there like a difference in this no, type no, of thing? Because I
1: know, just to, to your point, like it's totally based on the revenue, right? So, you know, that's the beauty of it. If if I'm looking at, for instance, the first one we bought. The, uh, the average daily rate, the ADR, was 165 for the previous 12 months. And most of these people are self-managing, right? And so they, they're probably not using dynamic pricing, with it, which is a huge deal. They're running at super high occupancies, uh, which is great, except you probably can make more money on less turnover uh, if you just know how to, uh, how to balance uh, occupancy with rate. Um, So that's kind of what we've seen for the first couple. So I mentioned the first one was 165. We ran it for seven months before we shut it down for renovations. And just in that seven months, the only thing we did was add breakfast back in because they weren't even serving that despite having the permit Um, and just optimizing the rate management, no changes to the property whatsoever. And in that seven months, our average daily rate was um, 39% higher at 229. So you know, that's before even putting in a single dollar to renovate. So... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of the uglier, the better, if you will. Um, and you know, you're looking for really good locations and properties with good bones. And a lot of these old historic properties have amazing bones. Um, and to, to your point, like it depends on the, the municipality you're in too, right? So, you know, I'm in an old historic city, there's a lot of regulations. Um, You've got to make sure you have the right permits. It's got to be zoned properly. If not, you have to have a zoning exemption. So, you know, that's a whole process in and of itself that you have to go through during the due diligence phase to make sure that you're buying an asset you can still uh, maximize the return on
0: investment with. All right, so you got my attention. I'm like, okay, this is definitely an asset class that can have a great return. You even have like a golden partner that's that's helping you out. You know, basically substituting your weaknesses with their strengths, which is a perfect type of partnership that you want.
1: Thanks, Cameron. So,
0: so does that mean like you're doing this all for yourself, or are you teaching others to do this as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of why I'm starting the mastermind. I, you know, I, like I said, I consider myself a, an expert in, in the short-term rental space. Now I want to bring people along with me. I mean, I, I you know, you mentioned in, in my intro, I've got a terrible background. So, um, 41, I, I've, uh, I've, I've made enough mistakes in, in my life, uh, to, to appreciate where I am, but also have been, have been, um, have had the good fortune to have been right much larger than I've been wrong. Um, and so I, I kind of want to, you know, bring people along for this ride. So, um, you know, my, my business partner is the first person that I've uh, made a significant amount of money for. We actually added a second guy to our our last uh, bed and breakfast deal. Um, but yeah, that's now at this point, I, I'm trying to teach people uh, how to better evaluate these investments, um, how to maximize what they have on the short-term rental side, uh, but then also looking to raise capital to buy more of these uh, BNBs.
0: So tell me about the mastermind. What can I expect in this thing? Am I going to show up on a Zoom and you're going to kind of sh- go through a perspective uh, property? Are you going to help me with like terminology and analyzing numbers? Are we going to like syndicate here and work on a deal together? What what, what happens in this mastermind?
1: I would say all of the above. But I think the, the most important thing I've learned is the importance of mindset. Um, and particularly like in the last uh, six months of the last year or so, I would say, Um, I, I recognized how much I was continuing to limit myself. Um, And so I I think like that, that's such a huge thing with life. Um, And, and, you know, if you want, if you want to limit yourself, that's fine. If, you know, if you're happy where you're at, Um, but it continues to amaze me. I mean, even just this morning with somebody's just kind of running through a, a potential business scenario. And, and one of the guys is like, you know, Hey, well, why, why don't you buy this whole company? You know, and it's, Yeah, there's still like I I just uh, it amazes me how much I still limit myself, even at this point. Um, And so, like, you know, I feel like I've learned a thing or two and um, I can bring that mindset. Uh, So revolutionary mindset is the name of the uh, mastermind. I feel like I can kind of bring that mindset um, to some folks and, you know, kind of help people get out of their own way a little bit in the same way that I've been in my way um, a lot of my adult life.
0: Yeah, that imposter syndrome is no joke, dude. I mean, that's it literally it gets in your way more often than you think. I, I always find it funny. I, I saw this like post and it was like, you know, I get up in the morning and, you know, I go to the gym and this person's yelling at me, telling me all this stuff. Like, it just describes like the most horrible person that ever could be around. And then at the end, the punchline is like, that's what you said to yourself in your head all the time. Like, we are our biggest critics at all times and we're trying to move, uh, you know, this entire boulder up a mountain at the same time we're like letting it roll back on ourselves so yeah. that's huge I, I totally agree with you that mindset is going to be 100 there the other side of that is i'm ready to invest right and so who's this ideal person that you're looking for as far as people that are, that are eligible to be part of this mastermind people eligible to be part of this investment
1: yeah, I mean, on the investment side, it's, you know, it's your normal accredited investor, right? So you've got your net worth minimums and your your income minimums in order to be an accredited investor. Um, and, and we'll be raising our first fund uh, later this year uh, to, to just buy more of these B&Bs. I think there's an opportunity to really roll them up. Uh, there's about a, a half a dozen cities in the southeast that we've started analyzing deals for. And uh, we've got our, our first six outside of where I live. Uh, that we're really doing a deep dive on and and we'll be visiting those cities in the next couple of months. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the next phase for us is is doing a fundraise and um, buying a handful more of these across the Southeast in the U.S.
0: What kind of capital are we looking at? Minimum investment?
1: Minimum investment is $100,000. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the baseline. Um, we'll obviously take more than that. Uh, we're, we're, I'd, I'd much prefer to have a few uh, key partners, but, you know, like I said, I want to kind of bring folks along too. So um, if people can meet that minimum investment, then we're happy to open up the fund for that.
0: Sweet, man. All right. Well, how about the the flip side of this? Now we're in a downward spiral here when it comes to real estate. Uh, You know, some of the fun stuff is, you know, your neighbor wants to sell before the market dips. So he undercuts the market. And then now that's a comparable. So the next guy can't sell for as high because, you know, that's going to undercut. And money's a lot more expensive today than it was just a year ago. So how is that affecting you, especially when you're talking to investors and you're like, hey, real estate's the place to be. And they're looking at the news, going, "Uh, I don't know, man. It's kind of scary." Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great point, actually. But you know, you you really um, you touched on it earlier, right? These commercial deals are based on the P and L, um, not just the uh, the valuation of the real estate themselves, right? So, if you're taking this piece of property that you have this value add opportunity for, uh, both from the management side and uh, just the aesthetics, in order to increase the average daily rate. Um, you you still have an opportunity there, um, so you're still going to be increasing the revenue. So um, the overall value of the property is still going to increase. Uh, kind of my line now, and my bank loves this. Um, but uh, my line now is if you if if interest rates doubling make your deal a bad deal, then it was probably a bad deal to begin with. Um, mm. So you know we don't operate on on margins of safety that are so small um, that a few points of interest would kill them. Um, You know, the the arbitrage opportunity is much larger than that um, in this asset class. So it's just a a different game, I think.
0: And I'd I'd imagine that when you're raising capital like this, it makes it a lot easier to get the funding that you're looking for. You probably get better rates based on the property uh, property value itself. Um, You can almost self-fund if you needed to to get this stuff underway, which kind of gives you the opportunity to really kind of leverage that cash, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the, the first couple of deals we self-funded, it's always important to have, I'm a big data nerd, right? So um, it's always important to have that data. I, I certainly would not take anybody else's money if I didn't think that I could do the exact same thing, if not better with their dollar that I do with my own. And so it was important for me to kind of prove out this thesis. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of where we're at now. We, we, we did it a couple of times uh, where I live and uh, and now just kind of looking to expand using the exact same thesis.
0: You think a bed and breakfast is like um, is is a business that is like geographically stronger? Like you you mentioned that you're in Charleston, South Carolina. Is that like a thing there versus maybe doing some in Florida or maybe in California? I mean, I imagine California prices are ridiculous because I live here. I know, but uh, but you know, like is is that something where you're sticking to certain geographical areas?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we're starting in the southeast. Just you know, like you said, that's where we are, right? So it's it's your normal Savannah. Um, Asheville you know the the kind of the the coast um, there it I think what's what's almost kind of um, comical really the more we do this research it's almost like there's this like crappy bed and breakfast kit Um, you know it's like the same vendors like the same uh, webmaster I mean you you look at these things yeah, we, we came across one in Florida and it's like the exact same layout of the one we just bought online, right? Um, and it's the same like grandma feel. It's, it's like literally the same pottery contractor they use um, for the the little coffee mug that comes with the logo on it, right? Uh, so it's it's almost kind of laughable, uh, the opportunity that you see across uh, some of these. Now, that, that's not to say that it exists all across the U.S., Uh, But the more we dive into it and the more we look at these websites, it's almost like, you know, this cookie cutter. I own a B&B. Here's 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 the webmaster I use and the vendors I use. Um, It's the same upsell packages, all that kind of stuff. Same look and feel, everything. So um, it's interesting. I mean, we're, we're kind of going for a slightly different target demographic. And that's really, I think, where I thought the risk was with the first couple. Um, you know, we're not going for your, your, uh, I mentioned grandma's house. We're not going for grandma and grandpa, right? So it's a little bit more, um, technology forward post COVID era, um, you know, 25 to 45 year old, um, that wants to stay still in a great location in a historic property, uh, but also wants the modern amenities that they're used to. Um, so a little bit different.
0: Um, what, what kind of trend are you seeing? Are you seeing, I mean, you, you mentioned the 25 to 45 age group. Are they staying like, you know, over a weekend? Or are you seeing like where they book out like week or two in, in advance? Because I'd imagine today, like, especially in a post-COVID world, you can work from anywhere. So if you have the ability to go to some of these places, it's like, you know, I, I know people who are literally traveling city to city. They'll go to a city for like three months and live there like, yeah, it was cool. And then they'll go find another spot somewhere else. Is it? Are, are you seeing longer term rentals or, or short term stuff when it comes to, to this type of industry?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is short term. I mean, our, our average stay is less than three days at these uh, bed of breakfasts. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that. Like the I, I mentioned my buddy just kind of asking me, Hey, why don't you buy the whole company this morning? He's like literally uh, living in South Africa right now in Cape Town while he launches a concept um, and stayed in an Airbnb for a couple months in the Hollywood Hills before that. Right. So you know that that definitely exists and quite frankly have made it through a global pandemic. That's how we survived. Um, as soon as uh, places opened back up again, um, you had people that were staying um, from other uh, parts of the country where they were just much more restricted and they wanted to be able to go out and live their lives so you know anywhere from like two weeks all the way to four months um, we would do kind of like short um, really like almost short term leases but much longer stays than normal um, and now we're kind of back to normal so it's it's mostly your um, three days and under um, you get it you know a week every once in a while but uh, every once in a while somebody will try to cut a deal for a month. Um, But it's much, much more normal now than it was two years ago.
0: Hey, man, if you're providing breakfast, it's almost like mama's cooking. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course I want to stay a little bit longer. You're going to provide everything I need in the morning. That's perfect. All right, Josh, man, we're getting a little on time. I want to make sure I know you kind of mentioned it throughout the show, but how do people get a hold of you? They want to work with you. They want to find out more about the mastermind. They want to just ask you a general question. How can they do that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, my website is joshhatter.com at the t- at the bottom of your screen there. Um, people can actually go and schedule time to chat with me on my calendar through that website. So if you go on there in the upper right corner, um, you can actually schedule the time to chat. You'll also get the pop up if you want to uh, be added to our email list or if you have any interest in the mastermind. Uh, but I'm just, I'm an open book, man. My, my door is always open. Uh, I really love talking to people. And so, you know, if people want to go and, and, book 30 minutes with me. I'm all ears. I love to talk.
0: Oh, that's it, ladies and gents. Look, there's so many. Like, This is real estate, right? But this is just a small niche in the real estate industry. And each one of these niches could be so lucrative if you find the right mentor out there who's already doing it. Especially when that mentor has other partners to really enhance the ability of success when it comes to your investment. So make sure you guys check it out. JoshHatter.com. Josh JoshHatter.com. And just so we all know, for those of you listening, J-O-S-H-H-A-T-T-E-R.com. Uh, Josh, one more thing before we head out, man. Uh, Todd hooked you up, put you on the podcast. Great dude. And I know you're going on multiple podcasts. And I gotta have, I gotta ask you a question, man. What was your experience like on the business bros?
1: Uh, you're amazing. Seriously. Like the energy, this is this is easily, and, and hopefully nobody else will kick me for saying this, but this is easily the best one I've been on so far. So I really appreciate the opportunity. I know you guys are crushing it, and just thank you for having me.
0: Of course, man. It makes it easy when you got cool stuff that you do, man. I'm telling you, I wouldn't even never have thought of the bed and breakfast space. And I, I the only time I ever seen it really was on the forest Gump side. I don't think I've done it myself yet. Uh, but it's definitely now in my now You come to
1: Charleston, it. man. You let me know. I will give you a place to stay. Come on. Down, I'm down with that, dude. Thanks a lot, man. All right,
0: ladies and gents. Oh, Josh, before we head out, man, any last thoughts before we close out? No,
1: yeah, i just yeah. Thanks Thanks for your time. Time's the one asset you can't buy. You can never get it back. You can't recreate it. So thank you everybody for listening.
0: Of course. All right, ladies and gents, you want to get into real estate, here's an aspect that you can, guys can definitely check out. Make sure you guys go to joshhatter.com, joshhatter.com. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out.
1: It's over. Go home. Is your we're, business we're in need of marketing?
0: Right. Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro